0: This message um, largely came from a conversation I had with my wife who gave me some suggestions um, that I decided, you know what, I, wanna, I like that, so I wrote them down and, and kind of got me started. This quote came from uh, a paper that Brooke had, or maybe it was a book that she had, and it really embodied what I wanted to talk about today. So the quote is by a Julie Keller, and it says, it's not so much what we are taught, but what we are surrounded by that determines the course of our lives. The music and poetry and talk, the bright cocoon of life that is woven around us. It's not so much what we are taught, but what we are surrounded by that determines the course of our lives. I had to think of the story that Rick said this morning about giving the history of of the song that that was sung. Um, What was the title of that song? Rick is not here, but it was. I was so glad that my Father in Heaven Yes, I was so glad. I am so glad that my Father in Heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. (laughs) So, I believe it was uh, in that story that he talked about the boy. That was the boy, right? uh, That that snuck into a house and heard a, a a lady playing piano and was chased out of there. But that, that instance affected his life profoundly. That was interesting for me because it was his environment, you could say, the environment he found himself in, he was attracted by the sound, but then he, what he heard he never forgot and how much his environment impacted his life. So another quote by a name I probably shouldn't try to pronounce. Umberto, I think is his name. I believe that we be, what we become depends on what our fathers teach us at odd moments when they aren't trying to teach us. We are formed by little scraps of wisdom. Those are those are some thought-provoking quotes. I believe that what we, what we become <laughs> depends on what our fathers teach us at odd moments when they aren't trying to teach us. We are formed by little scraps of wisdom. And then this quote, the more I lean the greater my faith. The more I lean the greater my faith. That one came directly from my wife. So, I want to talk a little bit about what our lives are dedicated to. We prove by the way we live our lives what we are dedicated to. We make the commitments. We seek diligently. We provide and protect. We teach. We hope and pray that in all things, our commitment, our seeking, and our protection, and our provision as parents will ultimately prepare our little ones for the future. So here's an interesting question that I want us to ponder, do you teach your children how to live or do you show your children how to live? And yes, today I would like to talk a little bit about raising children, but you know me when I'm talking about children I'm talking to adults and parents and people, to brothers and sisters in Christ. And it ends up usually being who I'm really talking to even when I'm talking about children or seemingly talking to children. Usually my heart there's always something in simplistic teaching that children can understand that has profound things to teach us adults as well. Do you teach your children how to live, do you show your children how to live? I've often heard this, that it would be nice to have some practice as parents before you get children. And I would have heard this probably mostly from older, older people that may not be parents as much anymore, may not have children at home, maybe grandparents. It'd be nice to have some practice before you get your first child? How do you go about teaching your little ones? Maybe that's a question some of the young parents have here today. Some of you younger parents might look at Brooke and I and say, well, they have lots of experience. Some of the older ones would look at us and say, "They're they're still young, they're still wet behind the ears, they don't know what's about to hit them. And there's some merit to that, I suppose. We're right in the middle of being parents. Holly Beth, our oldest, is 15. Ross is 12. I did not verify these ages with my wife. It was a grave oversight. Elizabeth is 10, Gloriana is 10. Is that right? Mackenzie is eight, and Aaliyah is seven. Aaliyah is eight. Mackenzie's nine and Aaliyah is eight. <laughs> seven. Okay. And then there's the younger ones. Okay, we'll just put it that way. So Mackenzie's nine, note to self. Better write that down. Nine, and then Aaliyah's seven. Okay, so from 15 down to seven. And we often have conversations, especially when there's another little one that comes along in church or in our extended family, we often think back on the days when we had a little newborn to care for, and it's always hard to believe that those days are, you know, how fast time has passed by. And now we're talking about those things in the past. But one thing that we strongly believe is that children are a blessing. In Psalm 127, It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. I don't know if that's because he has an army behind him, backing him up, or. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing to have family, to have children. It's good and it's right. It's a beautiful thing. But being a dad can be overwhelming, as probably all of you dads would agree with me on that. And I'm sure the wives would too, but I've, I've never been in those shoes. So speaking from experience, my own experience, being a dad can be very intimidating. And it's surprising how easily I can get caught up in just the, the rush and the rumble of everyday life but one thing that has been good for me to think about is that when it comes to being a father, nobody can do it for me. No one can, can fill my shoes, so to speak. And so it keeps me from trying to shirk responsibility, to realize this is, this is something that God has called me to, and it helps me to be all in also in Psalm 127. And this is interesting, this is a psalm. Psalm 127 was written by Solomon. This is a psalm of Solomon. You don't often hear a psalm of Solomon. You often hear a song of Solomon or you hear Proverbs, a quote. But this psalm it says was actually from Solomon, "'Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep." And Solomon here is saying that, and I think he's appealing to the reason that we often labor. We labor and build, why? Is it not for for comfort, for rest, for ease? But he says, the Lord gives us rest true peace comes from the Lord. We labor for peace and comfort, but only He gives us rest. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it." That verse is just before, it's in the same chapter and just before the verse that says, "'Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord, the fruit of the womb of reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth.'" How natural it is for us to labor to build our own house. But unless the Lord builds the house we labor in vain. We rise up early. I'm saying this is our tendency. We sit up late. We eat the bread of sorrows. The bread of sorrows would be hardship and toil and labor. We eat that bread. Sometimes with a passion we eat it. Isaiah 55 when he's giving, when he's foretelling about the coming of Christ he says, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Eat that which is good. There is a building that we are about. We do build, but unless the Lord is building with us, or unless we're building in his kingdom, we labor in vain. Proverbs 10, verse 21 says, The lips of the righteous feed many. I like that. The lips of the righteous. That's going deep. That's that's saying that when righteousness is coming forth from our lives, it feeds many, but fools die for lack of sense. The blessing of the Lord makes rich And that's something that's good for us, especially as fathers, to keep in mind as a lifestyle. Keep that verse in our heads. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and when He makes us rich, He adds no sorrow with it, and toil can add nothing to it. Isn't that beautiful? The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, He adds no sorrow with it, with His blessing, when He makes us rich, and toil can add nothing to it. I'd like to share just a few things that Brooke and I have valued and attempt to live by when it comes to raising our family. And very likely you can think of different instances your children have told you about that may have taken place out in the parking lot or somewhere where you would say, well, maybe what they're about isn't working so well. I don't know, but this is our heart. This is our heart for raising our family, and, and my heart is, is that you can take what's valuable to you, what sparks your interest, or what ignites maybe your desires or passions for, for the way that life is lived, and that you can benefit from, from what I share today, coming from our family to yours. Many people today put high marks on education. And that's not only in the world, but it's also in the Church. And I'm not saying there's not there's not some merit there, but just hear me out. Many people put high marks on education, on knowledge, and on rights. We hear a lot about that today, especially in the culture around us. And again, this may, these are not maybe useless or without merit, but when we live for the Kingdom of God and we're living within His Kingdom, we find that it's an upside down world and that education and knowledge and rights, these hold little value within the Kingdom of God. And there's three quotes that I'd like to talk about this morning that I think give us a Biblical model that all of us, especially as parents, can use in our relationships with those we influence, especially our children. And so even if you don't have parent, uh, children, or you're not married, you, I think there's something in here for you as well because it has to do with relationships, but we are primarily talking about mother-father-child relationships. So here are the three quotes, environment is more important than education. How to think is more important than what to think. And respect is more important than rights. Those are three quotes, three things that we, uh, it's our heart to live that out, to model that and to, to pass this on to our children, to our family. We tend to praise independence as people, right? Especially in our children, we praise independence. When your little one does something by themselves for the first time, they get showered with praise. And we, we do as well. When your child takes the first step, when they do something by themselves for the first time, you're like, good job, good for you. And, and we should, that's good, it's good to do that. I'm just bringing out a point, we do praise independence. But sometimes independence isn't all we make it out to be. Sometimes independence can actually be detrimental in the way the child develops. And I want to talk a little bit about that. A physical example might be this. You know, maybe a negligent parent that doesn't properly care for their child in a physical sense, isn't caring properly for their child the child has to learn how to take care of themselves as far as they may have to go to the fridge they may have to fix their own food they may have to find something to eat or when they want water they have to get it when they cry they're told to be quiet maybe nobody comes to help them even if they have a need so in that case their environment has taught them that and they can learn this at a very very young age the foundation of this Their environment teaches them that adults cannot be trusted, parents cannot be trusted, and they must learn to trust in themselves. Therefore they become very independent at a very young age. That's a physical example. Now you can take that same example and you can put it in the other areas of a child's life. So this can happen physically as we pointed out, it can also happen emotionally, it can happen mentally, and it can happen spiritually. environment is very important for a child and primarily you could you could say an environment of protection is very important for the child to develop properly creating an environment of trust i want us to think about that. i want to talk a good bit about this creating an environment of trust for your child can help you and your child build healthy child parent relationships and this is something that has made a big difference in our home with with having that in our minds, creating an environment of trust. And so when we see one of our children being very independent in a certain area, um, often we address it by maybe setting up some kind of structure or something to where they have to ask permission to do something in a way that would build trust, not, not control. That's not, really the, that's not really the object or the the goal here. But building trust is. We have in our mind that we want our children to learn to trust. It's very important for us that our children learn to trust us. And and trusting us doesn't mean being trustworthy to anybody. It means learning to, having that relationship with your child that they learn to trust you as a parent. When a child is in a trusting environment they can learn to trust others, but they also learn to be trustworthy. The ability to trust and be trusted is a vital virtue for your child to build meaningful relationships. Any meaningful relationship that they're going to have, the foundation of that relationship is going to be trust. When there's not trust, you will never find a, anything beyond a very casual relationship. That's, that's my uh, belief on it. Children can, I believe, they can comprehend and start drawing conclusions at a very young age. When a child is in a safe and a trusting environment, when they're in an environment where they learn to trust their parents to meet their needs, their God-given ability, what they're born with, the way that God intended for it to work, begins to develop. Their comprehension will be on the right track. And they begin to grow relationally. A child begins to grow either relationally.